very good morning to you. Welcome along to the gardening programme. Well, good morning for me for the second time this morning, but Parik, for the first good time morning, for you. Good morning, Deirdre. Good morning, listeners. How are you? I am in great form. Good. Thank you very much. Why very, wouldn't you be on a day like today? Very pleasant morning. <laughs> I was just uh, explaining to Parik off air when I had come in much earlier this morning, the moon was in the sky, or wow. at least part of it. And I kind of had mistaken it for a new moon, um, but I had no sooner <laughs> said it than somebody uh, very nicely now uh, pointed out to me that it's actually the last quarter moon. Oh, okay. So I guess it's about the way it's. So it was in the like sky. a full moon. What, was it a full moon? Well, it was moon? like was a new moon. New it was moon. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was like a little little okay. bit of a strip of a moon. And I just thought I just thought tomorrow. it looked pretty in the sky <laughs> this morning. That was what captured me. But I suppose on saying that the skies were clear, pouring the stars were out, and we had a bit of frost last we had night. Frost last night. We had grass frost, and uh, people that were up early this morning probably had to get the uh, kettle out for the first time, or a little bit of hot water out for the first time. So frost. But look at the great thing about frost is you get a beautiful day afterwards and we're mm. going to have a, an absolutely brilliant gardening day today Saturday so lots of nice dry sunny weather and lots to be done in the garden and again possibly more frost tonight certainly grass frost you were saying one to five degrees tomorrow morning so that's going to signal the start of the grass frost and a couple of things just to keep in in mind I suppose once we get into frosty weather any of the tender plants like the geraniums and begonias will start to uh, suffer a little bit from that so I think I mentioned last week for listeners to think about taking cuttings of any of those kind of tender plants fuchsias and geraniums and agaranthemums or marguerites those sort of softer plants uh, readily take from cuttings at this time of year so you don't go out and be caught in a week or 10 days time maybe which after heavy frost and losing a lot of plants so it's a good idea maybe to start moving in some of the tender plants or taking cuttings of them the other thing I notice in my own garden and particularly in in um, on the patio where I have a lot of plants and containers mm-hmm. is that they're drying up uh very quickly between the wind and the frost. The frost is this, what we called latent heat of vaporisation, <laughs> which means it dries up things. Okay. So the frost becomes latent heat, heat of, of vaporisation. So it basically what it does, it vaporises any liquid. So you'll often notice in frosty weather, the ground gets extremely dry. Yes. And the same thing happens in compost and in plants and in containers. The cold weather um, accelerates that evaporation of water. And you'll notice in, your, in, in plants, I've certainly noticed in my own garden, but plants beginning to, dare I say it, in October, from the lack of water, start to droop. Right. So one of the jobs over this weekend I'll certainly be doing is, is watering any of the plants I have. I have Japanese maples and have things like hydrangeas and lots of bedding plants in pots and tubs, uh, in quite large p- pots and tubs, and they're extremely dry at the moment. It's as if we're back in, in the heat of the summer. So do check any of those garden plants, not, not plants that are in the soil, they'll be perfectly fine, but those that you may have in containers, just check them and give them a good heavy watering uh, because that'll be important. And the frost at night time won't make any difference, but they're, they're actually thirsty at the moment, yeah, yeah quite dry, I, drooping. Yeah. I, I noticed I had um, still some raspberry verbena in a pot. Oh yeah, and they they had kind of stopped flowering, but that's because I had stopped watering them. There you go. And I I have given them a few drinks anyway over the last week or two, and lo and behold, there's a they're load back of big, lo- lovely load of red colour again. On so it. so yeah. they're they're a plant now that that will be frost sensitive, and you could take a couple of cuttings from those at this time of year and root them and you'll have them for next year. Okay, well, because we might, they will, might try that. Yeah, give it a go because they will die. And if you're t- and I, uh, during my talk on Thursday, so as you know, I, I gave a mm. gardening talk this last this Thursday, last Thursday, last Thursday in the garden centre in, in Castlebar. And one of the things I was talking about was the, t- the propagation of plants from cuttings and exactly that, how to take cuttings from geraniums and hydrangeas and just showing people how simple it is 
to raise their old plants from cutting. So your verbena would be a perfect classic example of something that you need to take maybe six, four to six inch stem six cuttings, inches. remove any flowers, remove any flower buds, strip off the leaves, dip it into a little bit of rooting powder, put it into a pot. And I was saying even a pot the size of a, a cup, cup yeah. you'll fit 10 to 12 Like, cuttings. you know, the, the yogurt cartons are Perfect. Great. Yeah. Anything like that, anything at all. Put a little few holes in the bottom of it, put a little bit of compost in, make sure the compost is moist, maybe with a bit, a bit of perlite mixed through it, dip your cutting in the rooting powder and then cover with a polythene bag and somebody was asking us last week where can you get them or what, 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 what kind did you use so any any plastic bag would do a sandwich bag or the butchers you know the bags you get from the butcher that white, uh, white Mickey, yep. or cling film cling film work. yeah anything or, yeah. anything at all like that just to keep the moisture in sit that on your windowsill and you've got yourself some young plants um, so that's something that people could do over the weekend and then you don't care about the, the verbena you can let it flower until we get really hard frost in maybe November yeah. and let it die but you've got young plants coming, coming on for on next so year can plant in yeah, and s- simply in a small little coffee cup you could have 10 to 12 plants so you, you don't need a lot of space so that's something to just be mindful of in terms of the plants being dry and patios uh, hanging baskets for example window boxes and uh, just plants in containers in general are quite dry at the moment so give them a good watering you could give them a little bit of liquid feed as well it, it, they'll benefit from that and um, this Thursday, because of the success of my th- Thursday talk, talk, I ran out, ran out of chairs actually last Thursday. So okay. my apologies for the few people that had to stand up. Um, I'm going to run the same talk again this coming Thursday, again at 11 o'clock. So it's the 11th of October at 11 o'clock in our centre in Turlock in Castlebar. I'll be doing the autumn gardening talk again. So if people are around next Thursday, um, particularly with the weather being as good as it is, I'm going to run that talk again. And next Saturday and Sunday, remember we've got the um, team coming down from uh, Gardenia. Uh, to talk about the robotic moors. Oh, yes, yes, it's next weekend, sorry. Yeah, it's it's next weekend, the 13th and 14th of uh, October. So that's uh, next Saturday and next Sunday, not this weekend, the following weekend. So the 13th and 14th of October, we'll have two of the guys down, they'll have some of the robotics moors with them, they'll show you and explain to you exactly how they work and they're going to run a competition as well over the weekend to give away a moor um, so any people that are in the, in the uh, that call in over the Saturday and Sunday will be entered into that. I actually took a small clip of my own robotic mower mm-hmm. uh, yesterday, I think it was. So it's up on my Facebook page, Pori Cork, and if people want to have a look at it, and you'll see the quality of lawn. So I've taken some close-ups of the lawn as well, just to show you the quality that it actually gives. That's what I'm most impressed Oh, you know, it saved me an awful lot of time yeah. and effort. But in, in particular, I'm very, very happy with the quality of lawn that I've actually that got. got as a result. Back, yeah, yeah. It's lovely and green. It's relatively weed-free. Um, it's very, very thick. And one of the things the guys promised me is that I won't have moss this year. So I'm actually going to leave that area untreated just to see. Just to crack, see how it, how, how it pans out. How it pans out. out, yeah. Because the grass is so thick, you cannot see the soil because of just that regular mowing uh, back. So it, it has worked very well. And it has worked in wet weather. It has worked in frosty weather. It has worked in dry weather. It has worked just okay. seamless, to be honest. Yeah. I'm, I'm very impressed with it. Um, the other key thing really at this time of year, and again with the dry weather today, if people are planning to put in some hedging plants, or indeed planting anything, my advice is to get the soil ready now. So even though you mightn't be planting for another couple of weeks, um, consider getting the ground ready. And if you've got an area for planting hedging in particular, and there's grass and weeds there, my advice is to use the dry day today just to spray off that area with a bit of Weed Free 360 and get the area ready. Don't be leaving it. Use the, the, the benefits of the good weather 
together to kind of have the area ready mm. and then you can plant any time through October or November or December whenever you decide to get around to planting but autumn planting for hedging plants be it things like um, the lovely apple green or silver edge or beech which will be planted in November get the soil ready at this time of year don't be don't be leaving it and use the benefit of a, a day like today to get on on top of weeds in the garden moss in the garden um, but get areas ready for planting would be my advice so if you are considering particularly putting in new hedges particularly new built houses or people just wanting to put in a little bit of extra hedging then this is a good time to get that soil ready and you do that by simply spraying a metre wide with the weed free 360 the weeds and grass will die within a week the soil is not contaminated by the treatment you can plant straight away uh, you know so in the next week or 10 days you can start planting or you can plant in November Mm. but you've got the soil ready for that a nice thing to, to consider as well is coming into the autumn it's a good time for planting um, hedges for wildlife in particular so things that lovely idea yeah things that bear fruit or that may flower and attract the honeybees or the hoverflies in so plants like um, even common things like white thorn and black thorn but things like common roses the hedging roses hazel honeysuckle forsythii which flowers in the spring it's covered in yellow flowers in the springtime the, the bees love that plant flowering red currant viburnums there's a whole range of plants that create this wild uh, hedgerow effect mm. like a countryside hedgerow which is brilliant for wildlife the, the birds will nest in it the bees will use it to, to visit the flowers and the, the, the birds then will feed off the fruit in the autumn period so it's a nice way of getting a for right through the year really the whole hedge will be used so we'll be again coming into the time of year for planting wildlife hedging particularly once we hit November that those plants like the beech can be planted so again my advice is to get the soil ready for that now again today would be an ideal time just to tidy up the garden control one of the most popular questions I suppose I got on Thursday was again back to our old friend the moss and what to do so the advice is always the same it's the three step process for the lawn put on the zero feed the lawn and control any weeds but particularly moss for particularly for moss on hard surface areas like slates and tiles and cobbles use the pack now you if you use it today the, the moss will be dead by next weekend so it works very rapidly within a week but you need dry weather to apply it so really it's using the dry weather to kind of tidy up the garden gather up the leaves start a new compost heap give the lawn another mow now so it's you know continue to mow for another couple of weeks yeah. give it a little bit of the zero and feed it and get it into good condition it's a great time of year as i said for for um, making compost so all the garden litter gather it all up now your grass clippings your leaves household rubbish that's recyclable and start a compost heap Japanese onions and garlic can be planted now at this time of year as well so we're in that perfect time for planting onions so if you're digging out your old spuds again today would be a great time to do that harvest your potatoes store them into that soil, rake that soil over, put a little bit of fertiliser onto it and plant yes. some of your Japanese onion sets and uh, garlic. And many seeds can still be sown at this time of year, particularly the, um, any of the winter hardy vegetable seed can be sown directly into the garden soil. Herbs for Christmas. So if you like a little bit of fresh rosemary, sage, parsley, thyme... All for good your, for, for, your, your, for, your, for your for your Christmas turkey, Christmas turkey or, whatever or whatever it is that you're cooking. This is the time of year to plant them up. So you simply, they're all frost hardy. You can plant them up in window boxes, containers and leave them. They'll grow during the autumn and winter period and they'll be there for use come the springtime. The other key thing to do at the moment is to mulch beds. If, you, if you've wed the beds, an ideal opportunity to put on a little bit of bark mulch just, just to suppress any further weak growth. And it just tidies up the whole garden. And green manure, if you've got any bare spots in the garden that you don't want the weeds growing, get yourself a couple of packets of green manure, throw it onto the ground, it'll germinate, it'll give a cover and it'll stop the weeds from growing. And 
And you can dig it back in then. You can dig it back in in the springtime. You've been listening this year. I've been listening. (laughs) And again, on Thursday, I was telling the the group about the the great plant, Facelia. I was showing them the actual plant itself in flower and um, recommending that they sow the seed of that at this time of year to, to eliminate weeds, but also to add manure back into the soil. So they're the type of thing. If people want to jump onto my blog on horkins.ie, you'll get lots of other jobs That's, that can be done okay. in the garden over the autumn. Okay, fantastic. But it's really into that time of yeah. planting spring bulbs, planting a bit of winter, winter colour, but really tidying up the garden now and putting it to bed. Make sure you harvest all your fruit, prune back your fruit trees. There's so much things that can be done yeah. at this time of year. I, I'm but just use looking the quickly at questions that are coming in. So we have a lot of discussion about uh, pruning and fruit trees in particular. Yeah. Uh, so we'll address those fairly and in, in my talk, I do a specific uh, section through showing through slides. I show people the various types of plants and when to prune them. And it's always an interesting discussion. And people, even after I explain it, come up afterwards and say, can you remind me now how to prune that hydrangea or how to prune this? And so it's, it's, if people want some advice on how to prune plants, come along next Thursday, 11 o'clock. It's a free talk in the garden centre in Castlebar. And through a series of slides, I explain how to prune various yes. different types of plants. So rather than just jumping into your garden and pruning everything. Yes, which, uh, you know, I suppose that's quite often what we do tend we to do because, because the day is fine. It's like, right, absolutely. today I'm doing the garden. And they get stuck yeah, in. And, and everything gets done. And everything gets done. And, and there is Good, a, bad or indifferent. Yeah, exactly. They get the hair, 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 haircut chop. So yeah, if you're around Thursday, 11 o'clock, I'll be explaining those type of topics, how to propagate plants, how to sow plants from seed, how to prune back, back plants and we do a little section on bees as well which people always find interesting. I saw actually a lovely um, image of uh, the different butterflies that are uh, viewable at the moment. All right. Uh, yeah, autumn butterflies. Beautiful. Um, the other day on one of the social medias, can't remember which one now, um, but maybe you must look it up for people. Um, just in relation to the talk, do people have to book for that in advance? No, they can just turn up. If I run out of seats, we'll get a few extra seats. A couple of people might. If you're late, you probably have to stand. Yeah, well, that's... Yeah. <laughs> but you know, first come, first serve. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So 11 o'clock next Thursday, it's the 11th of October in our garden centre in Turlock. And um, it's about an hour's talk, an hour and a half's talk, so, a cup of coffee afterwards. Yeah, it's a, a pleasant morning, I exactly, think. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Lots of questions from all sides, Pork. I'm going to go to a photograph that came in earlier of an amaryllis, which we've taken a look at. So I have these amaryllis for a few years. Last year, I overwatered them and they nearly died. I repotted them. And as you can see, the foliage is very long, but they didn't flower. I've withdrawn water now. What should I do? Also, fruit brushes, and we'll talk about pruning fruit brushes in general in a few okay, minutes. So let's, let's deal look, with the let's, look, let's look at that amaryllis. So the first, amaryllis of first of all, for people that don't know it, it's grown from from a bulb, a bulb that's nearly the size of a small turnip. So it's quite a large bulb. Within the bulb, when you purchase it, the flower buds are already initiated, mm-hmm. so they are actually contained in it. Once you pot it up, it comes into growth. It produces generally about a foot or eight inches of stem, and then the beautiful large flowers, generally four flowers per stem, are produced by the amaryllis. They generally stay in flower for about six weeks, maybe two months you'll get them in flower because it often produces a second stem. At that stage, you water it for a further month and feed it and then you stop watering and you let the whole amaryllis bulb, like all bulbs, return back into its into the bulb. Now, the listener here didn't do that, obviously. They're, you know, they, they, they overwatered it, as it described, to continue to grow. They've stopped watering now, which is the right thing to do. And let that bulb, let those plants completely die back into the bulb. So leave them alone, put them up on a shelf somewhere, forget about them, let the, all the energy return back into the bulb. Store the bulb then for about two months, 
yep. and then simply repot it again into fresh compost and start the cycle off again. So you need to have this rest period, exactly like daft, the way daffodils grow and tulips grow. They grow, they flower, they, they, the leaves el- elongate for about six weeks and then the whole plant dies back naturally and uh, you start the process on again. So the listener has described that they've stopped watering it now, which is the right thing to do. Let it die back completely and then possibly in February of next year, repot the plant off uh, up and start it off a new compost and a new pot and you, it'll be come back into flower then in the summer for you. Okay, great stuff. Now, Cliff has a question about a wisteria. I bought a wisteria from your centre oh, about three yeah. and a half years ago. Uh, for the first three years, four months, it never got above, above 18 inches, but these last eight weeks, uh, it has grown over two metres well, with yeah. branches going all asunder. How receptive are wisteria to training or will attempting it just to drive it into another three-year sulk? Very, very well put. <laughs> and this often happens with, yeah. with climbing plants. You put them into the ground and nothing happens. Climbing hydrangeas are exactly the same. But what's happening beneath the soil, the plant is initiating a lot of roots. So it's sending down a foundation of roots before it produces any top growth. And then it just literally takes off. And that's exactly what's happening with with the wisteria. The good news is that wisteria is very, very flexible and it's very, very easy to train it. Uh, it needs support, so it needs wires or trellis or something to actually latch onto because it tends to twist itself. It doesn't have tendrils like a clematis um, that it wraps itself around something. So it, it actually, it, like a serpentine, it, it sneaks in and snakes in around. It's kind of, it's woody. It's woody. It's woody and it kind of wraps itself in around trellis. So it needs something woody or wires or some sort of structure for it to get a... Uh, to, to wind itself in through. So Cliff needs to put something up on the wall to allow it to do that. And then you bend the branches. And ideally, you should try and bend them horizontally so that they're flat going across the wall, first of all, because the natural tendency with wisteria and oil climbers is to head vertical. So you, you, if you're untrained, you end up with this lanky, skinny climbing plant, which all grows at the very top then. So it has reached the top of the, the, the trellis or whatever, and it tends to... to grows a bush up there and everything else is bare lower down. So all climbing plants should be trained laterally, first of all. So you bend the branches horizontal, you tie them in, get them to go across the, the face of the wall and then let them go vertical, let them grow up. And you'll find wisteria is quite a vigorous climber. It would normally put on two to three feet of growth per year would be. And I think Cliff is going to expect that from this year okay. on. Um, some of the varieties can take up to, if you buy them as a, as a, a, a variety taken from a cutting or from seed, it can take up to seven years for wisteria wow. to flower. If they're a grafted variety, they tend to flower within five years, three to five years. Um, but the main thing is to get it growing, which it is at the moment, mm. to train it and get the structure and then the flowers will come. Excellent. Will come. So okay. train it, you'll find it very flexible yeah. and it's very easy to train during the summer months because it's not gone woody, it's not gone brown uh, so and it's not as brittle. So during the summer months when Cliff is home and he's vis- looking at the area, just <coughs> tie in the branches and try and get as much of a lateral spread as possible. Fantastic. Now I have two whiskey barrels of dahlias. They look pretty sad. Okay. Can I trim them? I know you should wait until they die gracefully but I want yeah. to plant something in their place, okay. asks Michelle. So the normal process with dahlias and they're, they're beautiful at the moment and they're flowering really well. They generally flower up till mid-November and we get really hard frost and, and as Michelle says that they tend just to melt then overnight once the frost gets them. But having said all that, if they've gone out of flower and they're looking a bit tatty, then my advice is to tidy them up now. Don't be waiting for until November. Literally go in there, prune them all back, lift the tubers out of the 
uh, whiskey barrels. So take the tubers out, dry them, store them for the winter, put a little bit of green sulphur onto the tubers once they've dried, wrap them up in newspaper and they'll be perfectly fine next year. And the benefit of lifting them is that it allows you to split them and divide them and propagate them for next year. So tidy them back, prune them right back to soil level, dig out the tubers, put some fresh compost into that. You can leave most of the compost there, but add maybe six or eight inches of fresh compost and then plant up the containers with some winter colour. So cyclamen are beautiful at the moment. All the spring bulbs can be planted like Red Riding Hood or Jetfire Narcissi, mm. um, things like winter heathers, polyanthus, primulas, wallflowers, winter pansies. There's a whole range of plants that are just coming into flower at the moment and will flower right through the winter. Bachelor's Buttons is a lovely plant. Where's this listener living? I uh, don't think we have location okay. on that. Yeah. So if it's an exposed area, yeah. kind of uh, maybe somewhere, uh, if it's exposed, something like the bachelor's buttons or violas would be lovely or forget-me-nots. But there's a whole range of plants that can be planted now for, for colour. Now, uh, Liam is in Leitrim and he is a seven-year-old cherry tree in North Leitrim. It flowers, but there's Great. no crop. Okay, what do you think? Uh, what do I think? What's missing? It's missing. It's missing. It's missing a friend. It's missing a partner. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> if it's flowering, so obviously what Liam has is a is a fruiting cherry. So we have flowering cherries, which are, are you know are there to give us beautiful color, like Prunus cansin and Cherite. They don't bear any fruit, but they're there to give us lovely color, and they tend to have double flowers. But in the Prunus family, you also have fruiting cherries that we use for cooking, like varieties like Stella. Are they like the cherries you? Morello cherries, yeah. you know the Morello yeah. cherries. So, so yeah. they grow quite well in Ireland, oh, do yeah, they? Absolutely. I would presume that they come from no, very no, no, foreign no. They lines. Grow, they grow equally well and the birds absolutely love, love the them, birds. Yeah. Um, so they grow perfectly well, just as well as, as a normal flowering cherry will grow. So you, they need a partner. So it depends what variety that uh, Liam has. So if it's, my advice is maybe to get, a, there's a variety called Stella, which is really good, S-T-E-L-L-A. It's a red cherry variety. It's a good pollinator of other varieties and um, plant one or two of those in around or close to uh, the cherry plant that you have and, and it just needs a little bit of cross-pollination. That's all the, the cherries require. And most fruiting plants you just you, you generally need, it's better to have a, um, a pollinator in there with them. Okay. So get another variety, plant it in, a different variety, <laughs> plant it in and you'll hopefully have cherries, cherries next year. Because if it's flowering, all it's missing is some pollen, some pollen. So. Okay, so that should, that should <clears> do the trick. Yep, yeah, it should. Now, Lelandii trees, can they be cut back now? Yeah, you can cut them back now. The, the one thing about trimming them now is that they, they tend to have that kind of haircut look for the winter then. They tend to be, and that can be quite nice as well. Um, so, look, at the answer is yes. And most hedging plants like laurel, uh, Lelandii, any of the evergreen hedges will benefit from a tidying up. I prefer to do them kind of August because it gives them an opportunity to put on a little bit of wind, of growth before the winter. But having said all that, there's no problem trimming them back. Now, don't go too severe with Lelandii. They don't like severe pruning. Make sure you prune into young wood, giving them the opportunity to reshoot again. So no severe pruning with them, but certainly a tidying back, trimming lightly back, taking maybe four to six inches off the plants is perfectly fine. And pruning for lilac trees? Well, remember, and this is one of the things that I cover in the talk on Thursday, that lilac is a spring flowering plant. And, and we, we define spring flowering plants by anything that flowers from January to June. We consider that spring. So anything that flowers within that period, you cut immediately after flowering. Because if you cut it now today, you're removing all the flowers that's going to bear next April. Because it's kind of started to well, warm the buds something. Are, the yeah. buds are, the growth, whatever growth it meant last during this summer, it'll flower on that this coming spring. So all spring flowering plants like forsythia and ribes, if you prune them back now, you're basically cutting away 
the but. timber that's going to bear the flowers. So it's like a flowering cherry. If you cut it at this time of year, you're removing all the flowers that will normally come in the springtime. So as a rule of thumb, all spring flowering plants, anything that flowers from January to June, you prune immediately after flowering. So as the flowers are going over on the lilac, that's the trigger. Even though it might be the first week of May, you prune it back at that time of year, you give it a good feed, it comes into growth, and on that growth it flowers the following spring. So we're saying with lilac, don't prune it now. Don't touch it. Yeah. Leave it alone. Even, didn't, even though you mightn't have pruned it earlier in the year. Even though, well, you, you see, you could prune it, you're, but you're going to lose some You're going stuff. to lose all the flowers. Yeah. It'll grow and it'll be perfectly healthy and there'll be nice green growth and you'll be ringing me up wondering why, why you know of flowers. Like it's in flowering. So if you want it to flower next spring, my advice is to leave it alone, okay. wait for it to flower in the springtime and the week the flowers begin to fade, prune Back. it then, the first week of May, and feed it, it'll put kick into growth and on that growth it'll flower then the following spring. So all spring flowering plants you prune immediately after, after. flowering. Okay. And roses. When roses. do we prune roses? So when do roses flower? So they're flowering. They're kind of just finished flowering now, really. Yeah, so they start in June. Yeah. So we consider them summer flowering plants. So anything that flowers from June to December is considered a summer flowering. So they flower on the current year's growth. So on this year's growth. So what happens with a rose bush? You can cut it back at this time of year. It kicks into growth in March. It grows during the, that March to June and on that growth then it flowers. So now any time from now on through the autumn, now roses are brilliant at the moment. They're still flowering in lots of gardens, yes, particularly if your garden is sheltered. Um, so my advice is if, if they're still in flower, leave them alone, keep deadheading them and then closer to Christmas, start pruning them back. But if your rose it looks a bit dishevelled and it's lost some leaves and maybe it's got a whip, little bit of windburn or whatever, then by all means you can trim it now if you wish you want to tidy it up and tidy it up for the winter so depending on how it's looking and performing at the moment so if it's flowering leave it alone if it's dishevelled prune it back and you can prune roses anytime from now up till March Excellent Now we had the problem with the cherry tree not fruiting so we've got a holly tree bought in a lovely pot berry lovely berries when I bought it but this year leaves are good but there's no berries is that the same story? Well, no, here's an interesting one. Right. And, and this is, I had this, uh, I'm trying to think what was the question somebody asked me on, on uh, Thursday, but it was something similar to this. And you often find this when you go to your local garden centre and you buy uh, something that buries, mm. so a holly tree or a mountain ash or something that has fruit on it. In its first year, it can often be covered in fruit simply because it's been growing in a pot for two or three years. It's become confined in the pot and it, it has no space to produce new growth. So the plant triggers itself into flower and fruiting. Okay, so okay. it's very common, say, with apple trees, right. where they're in a pot for maybe two or three years, they become confined. The plant knows itself that it needs to reproduce. So it triggers itself into flowering and fruiting. But once you plant that plant into the garden, it, it's it got a freedom. Pal- right. Yeah, it's gone back to its youth. <laughs> so it's got free run of the soil. It triggers from fruiting to actually growing. So the plant understands that it's got lots of root space. It starts to grow very vigorously because it wants to bulk up. And then over, it, in, over a number of years, it'll settle back down into fruiting. Okay. So here with this holly, what has happened is because it was bought in a pot, it was confined, it flowered and fruited. But once it got planted into the soil, it got mm. a free root, root run and it's putting on lots of leafy growth, new growth, stem growth. That's perfectly natural. It will settle down. It might take it two or three years, but it will settle down. And once it starts to flower and fruit, it will do that reliably every year after that. So there's nothing the listener has done wrong. What you could do to help to induce it to flower is to put a little bit of sulphur of potash around the base of the plant. And that can be applied this time of year. But as long as it's growing healthy, 
it will come back to flower and fruit for you. Now, <clears throat> help. I'm going to plant a few things and, and the garden for the colour, but don't know what to choose. Something not too expensive or hard to look after. Thanks. Okay, well, if, if the listener is thinking about kind of just little bedding plants and flowers, just to add a bit of colour for the winter, and then look at spring bulbs are one of the best. And remember that spring bulbs flower from Christmas right through until we go to bloom in at the end June, of May in June. Yeah. The, the lovely um, alliums are in flower that time of year. So there's a range of bulbs that will flower literally from Christmas right through to June if you plan and plant different varieties. So bulbs are foolproof, they're so easy to grow and most of them come back year after year. You've also got simple things like winter pansies, winter violas, the primulas we talked about, wallflowers which are absolutely easy, so simple to grow, sweet williams, all of those plants they're available now for planting for a bit of winter, spring, colour so they'll generally flower from now right through until the spring of next year and the, you can mix them with bulbs as well but there's a lot of winter flowering shrubs as well things like the heliborus the christmas rose the lenten roses they've come into flower at the moment and they flower right through christmas up until april of next year yeah, they're a brilliant i, I think they're plant. great i love them yeah and they come back year after year they're lovely they're, most of them are white shades of whites or pinks and they only grow about a foot or eight inches in height. And they're lovely to plant some plant some spring dwarf daffodils with them, like Jetfire, and that gives an extra blast That's of colour then yeah. in the springtime. But there's other winter flowering shrubs like Mahonia, which flowers through the winter. There's loads of Viburnums. Viburnum tinus is a really good variety, or Bodnatensis dawn, which is a scented variety. My advice is to pop into your local garden centre, ask them what plants will flower through autumn, winter and spring for you. There's lots there at the moment. Um, where's my question here about scrubland? Yes, half an acre of it, no less, well, of scrubland. Yeah. Not very good land, but it's not boggy either. Okay. And what is the best type of trees to set? Okay, well, you've, and you're coming into a brilliant time of year for planting trees in general. So autumn planting. The, the reason we plant trees at this time of year is that the roots initiate and start to grow over the winter period. So you end up with a stronger, basically, tree as we come into spring of next year. In an area like this, I would plant, you know, kind of native type, type trees like hazel would work really well. Alders. Alders are great, particularly, now I know the ground isn't wet, but they are a tree that will tolerate quite wet conditions, as will willow. Uh, and both respond to pruning and shaping as well. Now, what I would do, because it's half an acre, I would plant the trees in clusters of the same variety. So if you're planting willow, maybe plant 15 to 20 trees. And you can buy the trees as, as what we call whips, young trees. They're, they're inexpensive to buy, yeah. particularly in, in November, from November to kind of uh, February, they're available. They're roughly about a metre high. And plant maybe 20 trees of alder or willow in a, in, together as a kind of a clustered effect. You could also plant birch, which would grow really well. And they love that type of mountainous, uh, boggy, you know, a, a boggy type uh, rough ground. Birch do really well. Hazel does well. Alder, willow, sorbus, the mountain ash, as the name suggests, is a lovely fruiting tree. It's a native Irish tree. Um, it bears flowers, it bears berries. You've got white beam that would tolerate the weather as uh, the conditions as well. White thorn and black thorn would work really well. So I would create this kind of little woodland area and tr take varieties of the ones I mentioned and put them in clusters. Maybe put a pathway through, a meandering pathway through of bark or uh, of gravel yeah. or something like that. And that will help the drainage as well. <clears throat> and then maybe underplant with spring bulbs as the uh, trees start to grow and mature. Um, you could always add in things like bluebells and snowdrops and, and those sort of plants that will just, they're, they're no trouble and they come back year after year and they multiply every year. So there's a wide range of trees, uh, particularly 
once we get into November. Again, like I said at the top of the programme, I would just control any weeds that might be there. So there's any grass or rubbish there. Treat that with the, the, the 360 in preparation for planting then for November because you want fairly clean soil in terms of weed growth. You don't want the weeds competing with the trees next springtime. So clean it off now get that ready and maybe put him in a meandering path and then plant up the area in clusters of willow, alder, hazel, birch, sorbus mountain ash, white beams would all do extremely well. Very good. They're wind tolerant. They're easy to grow. And you'd end up with trees that have a nice clean stem and a bushy sort of a head. That's sort of a lollipop shape in clusters and groups. Liquid amber would be nice as well, which gives a lovely autumn colour. colour, yeah. Yeah, some of the maples as well. Autumn blaze is another lovely variety of uh, tree that are, would you know give lovely autumn colour at this time of year. So you could mix the trees I mentioned with some autumn colour as well. But a really good time of year for planting and preparation for trees. Okay, and a lovely way to transform a bit of scrubland. Yeah, and and easy to grow and, and things that won't actually require a lot of maintenance. You know, so you're ending up with a kind of a woodland effect, a natural broad-leafed woodland effect. Sounds like a lovely spot. I can yeah, beach, see. I can beach see would be now. slow, but but would you know, but would take a you know would kind of grow as well. Yeah. And oaks could be planted maybe as well. They tend to li- like better ground, but oaks are quite hardy as well. So you could mix in a few, a few of those. Now, is it too late to cut back my beech hedge, or can I do it any time? You can, to be honest, you can do beech at any time of the year. I prune my own beech trees. I think in June or July this year, just. I just took a notion. It was for no particular reason. You could do it at this time of year as well. I often <coughs> prune them in the winter as well. So you can prune beech back at any time of year. Um, so just prune it to shape, tidy it up. It's a great hedge and it requires very little trimming. One, trimming once a year is kind of all that's required with it. We will be coming into the time of year for planting beech hedging uh, in November. So if people are interested in planting, prepare the soil now. But certainly trim them back. Great. Now, um, r- r- raspberry bushes and raspberry trees, are we talking about the same thing? Well, it's it's generally ras- raspberry okay. bushes, yeah. They're generally grown from canes. Okay. Yeah. So, general question on when can I prune raspberry bushes and Michelle is listening in London and she's got a raspberry tree um, and it has one very long branch and she's wondering, does she cut it back now? Yeah. So, raspberries grow from what we call canes. So, they produce their canes during the summer months and the fruit is the flower and obviously the, the bear their fruit. There are two basic types. There are the summer fruiting varieties and there are the autumn fruiting varieties. So if your raspberries have fruit on them at the moment, they tend to bear their fruit, the autumn varieties, from late September, October, November. You could even be picking them cl- coming up close to Christmas, um, particularly if the winter is mild. So autumn fruiting varieties, you treat them like a rose bush. You cut them to soil level. They regrow then in the spring and on that growth they flower and fruit. The summer fruiting varieties flower on the previous season's growth. So with those, they're a little bit more tricky in that you cannot just cut them to ground level. What you do is you prune out, when you take the fruit off the actual canes, you selectively take that cane and prune it to soil level. So they flower on the previous season's growth. So whatever growth they've made this summer, that's where they'll bear the fruit next year. So we're just taking out the old canes, really, with the summer fruiting varieties. So it depends which variety the listener has. Um, autumn, autumn fruiting varieties are a little bit easier because you just, as I said, you just cut them to ground level in the, in the end of the winter and they regrow again. Summer fruiting varieties, you're just removing the old fruiting canes and you're leaving the young canes to grow on. Excellent. Uh, forest flame was cut back a bit severe. Will it recover? 
Yes, it will. I mean, yeah, it, it reshoot again. So it, it's going to look bare and, and kind of naked for the winter because there's going to be no new growth until we hit March or April. But uh, Forest Flame has a great ability to, to reshoot again, even on old wood. So my advice really is just leave it alone for the winter. Coming into the spring, give it a good feed of a, something like the Osmo tree and shrub feed in April. Feed it again in May and it'll be perfectly fine. It should be actually a ball of colour because as it produces the new growth, it's going to have that lovely red and orange coloration. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, leave it alone. It's been cut back now so that the, the pruning has been done, as it yes. were. So leave it alone, <laughs> feed fine. it in the spring and it'll be perfectly fine. Now, general question on when do we harvest apples? Well, I've been picking the apples for the last four weeks. It's it's whenever they're ready to, to harvest. And, my, and kind of my advice is, particularly the red varieties, pick them early varieties like Beauty of Bath, Katie. They have been ready for the last three or four weeks and the birds are getting to them. So you need to pick them and bring them inside. Other varieties like Bramley Seedling aren't ready yet and they don't really become ready until the end of October, November sort of period. So to know when apples are ready, mm-hmm. what you do is you clasp them in your hand, you give them a light twist and if they come away from the tree, they're ready to harvest. So that's, you know, as a, as a rule of thumb, just check, put your hand under the, the, the apple, twist it. If it comes away, take it's, it. It's ready. And, yeah. But you certainly be har- harvest them now on a regular basis. <clears throat> My advice is to use fruit that is, if anything that's blemished or damaged or marked, use those straight away in the kitchen. Anything that's clean, just wipe them off, wrap them in tissue paper or newspaper, store them in a dark spot for the winter and they store very well. Now, what is the name of the Christmas plant you mentioned last week? What is it? I, I think wonder. it might be hyacinth. It could have been. Would, would it be hyacinth? We did talk hyacinths. a bit about scented hyacinths. We did, I did. And I was actually making the point that if you plant them now, the prepared hyacinths, you should have them in flower for, for Christmas. And they make lovely gifts, particularly for children, because if the children are planting the bulb, they'll see them growing and they can give them to their grandparents or whoever at Christmas time. So they're generally associated um, with Christmas time. The, the winter of Heliboros that we talked about, poinsettias are always associated with Christmas. But I think you're right, it was a skimmia. Or it was the hyacinth, the hyacinth, the scented hyacinth. <laughs> scented hyacinth um, yeah. uh, Maggie is in poetry and is wondering if heathers need a specific compost. It depends on the variety of heather. So winter flowering heathers, those that flower from now right through to April, will generally grow in ordinary garden soil and they'll grow in ordinary garden compost. Summer variety of, summer variety, summer flowering varieties of heathers. <laughs> I'm getting there. <laughs> They, anything that flowers during the summer, they tend to like acid soil. So to be on the safe side, if you're putting them into pots and containers, I would get some ericaceous compost. You'll get it in your local garden centre. It's generally the same price as ordinary compost. What it, it basically ha- doesn't contain is lime, which Heathers dislike. So get some ericaceous compost, put that into the containers, a little bit of a slow-release feed, and plant your Heathers into that. And both varieties of Heathers will grow in that type of compost. So just to be sure... Now, four years, a new lawn this year, there is a lot of weeds, so I used weed killer to kill it off. Uh, But then the weather was very dry, so I didn't set the new lawn. Now there is a lot of weeds again. What do I need to do before I set the new lawn? Okay, so and this is a perfect time and perfect a day like today, you couldn't write it better for getting the lawn ready. And we have, I've been saying this since September, autumn is a superb time of year for sowing the seed of lawn. So if the ground is ready, the weeds have shown themselves, that's fantastic. Treat the area with the Weed Free 360, that'll eliminate any weeds that are there without contaminating the soil. Rake it, give it a light raking over, put in some preceding fertiliser, so something like the Osmo uh, Park and Fairway, rake that into the soil and on the same day put on your green velvet 
lawn seed. So the green velvet is a mixture of dwarf creeping grasses. So it's a very, very easy lawn to maintain mm-hmm. and mow. It never gets too tall. Um, it, so it's predominantly dwarf and creeping grasses. Get that in as well. And the lawn will germinate within 14 to 21 days at this time of year. I mean, you'll have a superb lawn for next spring. So the steps are get rid of the weeds that are there by removing them with the Weeds Free 360 and do that today if you can because it's perfect weather for it. It'll be ready for sowing next weekend. Mm-hmm. So get in some uh, park and fairway Osmo fertiliser, a little bit of the green velvet lawn seed and you're good to go. Excellent. Now, can a strong laurel hedge be cut back at this time of the year? The hedge is about five foot tall and I'm wondering, could two or three foot be cut off it or would the hedge die? Why would you cut it? I mean, if it's only five feet tall, why would you cut it back to two feet? It sounds... uh, I mean, the answer is yes, if you want. But remember, you're only going to have a little two-foot hedge. Like, if, if and, and again, when I recommend this all the time, that when you're putting in hedging plants, you need to tr- trim them from year one. You need to be pruning them back, training them, shaping them. Don't be letting them to their own device. It's a bit like children. The earlier you start, the better. <laughs> the more effective it yes, can be. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. So, so look at, uh, to answer the listener's question, if the hedge is five feet high, you can certainly cut two or three feet off it. I don't really understand why you would want to cut it that severe, but my, the answer is you can if you wish. I'd be more inclined to take maybe a foot and a half off the hedge, trim it even it all off. So if some of the plants are five foot and some are seven foot, even it all off maybe to four feet, mm. trim the sides as well feed it next spring and it'll start to fill in and grow in and tighten in together. So, yeah, the answer is yes, you can. You can cut as much as you want off it. Good morning. Grisolinia cuttings, when is the best time to do it? October. We're coming into the time of year, actually, for most, uh, if you want to propagate your own hedging plants. Now, with Grisolinia, take the cuttings at least a foot long, maybe 18 inches long. Again, strip off all two-thirds of the leaves, so you're only leaving a small amount of leaf on top. And take out the top of the plant. So literally at the very, very tip of the shoot, prune that out as well, take maybe an inch off the top. So we're taking foot-long cuttings, we're stripping off all the leaves apart from a small amount of leaves at the top, pinching out the, the, the shoots at the very top, dip them then into rooting powder, open up a trench in the garden somewhere, put in some sharp sand or compost and line your cuttings one by one, like soldiers. Mm-hmm. So in a small section, a 10-foot section, you'll fit 50 cuttings easily. Backfill the trench, leave them for the winter, they'll root over the winter period, you dig them up in April and you're starting off a new hedge. And that can be done with Crystallinia, with Laurel, uh, with any of the, the typical Escalonia, will all propagate easily from cuttings at this time of year, from October onwards. So anytime from now on, remember to get the little bit of rooting powder, powder. rooting gel. Mm. And that's one of the topics I cover on Thursday. So if that listener is around next Thursday at 11 o'clock, pop into the garden centre for my, my talk and I'll show you how to, to propagate your own plants for free. Somebody's wondering, can they put on zero today if there's frost tonight? Yes, you can. Okay. And today would be an absolutely perfect day for getting it on. And remember, if once the zero will control the moss, and, and now is the time to start. That's my advice. Start now. Uh, but feed the lawn as well. So give it something like the Osmo, um, Osmo lawn feed as well. That'll help to green it up without forcing growth for the winter. Now, Jane has some apple trees and there's so much fruit on the branches. The branches are bent over. Yep. She's wondering, does she cut the branches or tie them up? Well, well first of all, harvest all the fruit. 
off them. That's the first thing. Then prune them back. And the pruning with apple trees is very, very simple. Whatever growth they made this year, shorten it back by two thirds. So if they made three foot of growth, shorten it back by two feet. So shorten it back by two thirds. You can do it now, even though the leaves are still on the plant. So the first step is to take the fruit, harvest it, and then prune all the branches, the side branches and the top branches back by two thirds. Once they go out a leaf, get yourself a little bit of winter wash apply that to the stems and that will control any pests over the winter period and cleanse the trees and leave them in great condition for next spring. Excellent. Now, I planted some charlottes, I, I think this is the potatoes is what yeah, we mean, Charlotte, yeah. in late July. Okay. Now they're dying off with very little crop. I had some outside and some in the greenhouse. What went wrong? So these are, this is charlotte that's actually, they planted them in July, so they're actually planting them for the Christmas potato. So in January, we plant potatoes in March and April. But this, this listener obviously planted this, the um, Christmas varieties. I actually planted a few myself in the, in the tunnel. I must go in and check them, see how they're doing. But remember that the, the, what, what potatoes need, need is uh, very moist soil. And this July and August being so dry, the potato crop, the, particularly the Christmas mm. varieties, are very, very poor. The yield is way down on them. So it, it sounds like that's, that's the problem. problem. Yeah. Um, and particularly if they're in a tunnel environment as well. So they haven't done as good as, as other years. So look at, it's nothing the listener has do, done wrong. Charlotte is, is actually a lovely variety. It's a, a salad potato, quite a, a waxy potato, potato as we say, but it needs copious amounts of water and this summer has, has worked against them. Yeah, yeah, that's all that's wrong with them really. Okay, we'll probably end on this one, Porik. How do you get daffodils to multiply? Well, the great news is that they'll multiply themselves. So daffodils have this great ability of producing, you plant one bulb and five years later there's 20 bulbs where that one bulb was. You can lift them, the time to lift, you can actually lift them at this time of year if, if you know where they are and literally lift up the clumps, split them up and plant them elsewhere. You'll notice on the daffodils at this time of year there's loads of new roots, so just be careful you're not damaging them mm -hmm. too much. But you can li literally lift them and propagate them now or you can let them flower and then move them in the green as we always say in April so after they flower you can lift dig up the clumps split them in twos and threes and plant them elsewhere but you don't have to do anything daffodils will propagate themselves that's okay. the beauty of them excellent we're going to leave it there uh, so the talk on Thursday so th this Thursday 11 o'clock it's the 11th of October in the centre in Castlebar um, so 11 o'clock I'll be doing my autumn gardening talk and the Gardenia robotic mower demo is on the next following weekend. yeah next weekend so it's the 13th and 14th of October from 11 o'clock through to 4 and 12 to 5 on Sunday excellent we'll remind people next we'll week we'll remind people next week yeah. we're back in action then that's it from me uh, I'm back next Saturday just after 7 stand by Michael Neary is on the way next with Country Classics after the news at 10 o'clock which is coming your way after these for the moment good morning to you